Oh, you know what? It's not really Wiggles now. Now it's more like... Now it's more like... I don't know what to call those. The fuck are you talking about? Oh, he's talking about the voice Wiggles. Yeah, they're not Wiggles anymore. They're like... uh, They're Christmas trees. Or pine yeah. trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost Christmas time. We're, it's December 1st as we're recording this. Yeah, it first... Uh, it's time to start celebrating some probably heretical holidays again. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever holiday suits you, you know, make up your own holiday. I don't care. Exactly. Whatever you celebrate, the emperor disapproves of all of it. Yes. Except for sing- sing- sanguinin day. That's the thing. I don't know. My, oh, my, my that's, wife, the, that's the Warhammer Christmas. That's right. My, my wife, she, um, recorded a, a TikTok slash YouTube short and posted it. And it's, um, her putting a, a, um, Sanguinius on top of our Christmas tree. <laughs> I and love I, that. And I disapproved because I wanted Daddy Dorn. Daddy Dorn. Um, Daddy Dorn is, is the angel. The tree. He is the angel. He's the angel. But Daddy Dorn's my angel. Yeah, he fortifies the house and the tree. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Dor- Dorn, is, Dorn is our Santa, and then uh, Perturabo is our Krampus. I can look uh, at that. That's pretty good, actually. With the Grinch, maybe? Who's the Grinch Wait. then? Horus? Dark Angels. I don't know. The lion? The lion no. seems like he'd be like a really angry elf. The yeah, the Grinch does live in a giant rock, so you know. <laughs> oh, I can see that. I can see that. And he's green, right? Yeah. They're green, right? That's yeah, yep, he's green. Okay, just making sure. Yep, green, green, green. Unlike the Squad Games podcast, which isn't green, because uh, we're an audio medium, so you actually can decide what color we are. Um, you know me, you know Dakota, and today we have a very special guest. It's Kellen. Hi, I'm Kellen. Hello, Kellen Foster. It's good to see you. Good to have you on the pod. Um, so, Kellen, uh, you are uh, a part of Kel team, am I correct? Yes, and I uh, <clears throat> I feel like I have to clarify this every single time uh, because I've had several times where I've gone to events by myself as Kel team. And then, you know, if they announce it in front of people, it's like, Oh, the cart kind of came before the horse on that one. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I did not come up with that name for those who know Jimmy Kelly. You guys know why that <laughs> it's Kel team. It's, it's because it's his last name. Um, yeah, you guys are, you guys are a very competitive team and, uh, you yourself are a very competitive player. And uh, one of the reasons why uh, we we pulled you today is uh, number one, you won the West Coast Championship a couple weeks ago. Congrats! Um, Thank you. So you are officially the West Coast champion. You got a, a free ticket to LVO, which is uh, another small talking point, a little tangent, I should say. We have 150 tickets sold for LVO, so uh, tickets are going and they're going quick. So if anyone is looking to go, make sure you go. You grab your tickets before they're gone because uh, they very well could sell out, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about, right? Um, also, this week we dropped um, a pre order sale for hoodies and t shirts for Las Vegas Open. And even if you're not going, if you want to help support the staff of the event, so that would be me, Sheldon, Elliot, Saya, Eric, and Troy. Um, 
by purchasing some of those, uh, we will ship them to you right after the event. So, um, you can yeah, see what they look like on our discord, on our and discord Instagram. and on Lester's workshop. You just go to the shop, lesterworkshop.com. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be pretty cool. And Kellen, you are going to, uh, LVO this year, right? That's the plan. Mm-hmm. So, so what's fascinating is I just, I like randomly looked at ITC and I, and I pointed at a random name and it ended up being yours. No, just kidding. Oh, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, you're ranked number 100 in the world. Uh, uh and yeah, you're, you're ranked number 20 in the U S and here's yeah. the f- most fascinating s- statistic. Kellen has 0.33 more ITC points than me. So Screw you Dakota, <laughs> I'm better. 0.33. So I'm, I'm ranked 101. <laughs> I, I dare anyone to come, come between me and Kellen. <laughs> uh, another fun fact, Kellen is 21st in the hobby track. What? Yeah, he's wow. 21st. So you're just ranked all over in the 20s, huh? Yeah. I, th- that baffles me. Because like half the time I don't even base my models. <laughs> That's just how based you are. That was that was lame. I'm never going to say that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was very cringe of me. <laughs> it's okay, Giacomo. It's okay. So uh, today um, we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking all about Kellen, asking Kellen all the most important and fun questions. Um, Kellen is a friend of ours, um, and uh, his his uh, going through his tournament history is is quite intriguing to see where he's gone and uh, starting off like really where people kind of uh, grew to knew who he was last year was when you won the golden ticket for San Diego. Um, and that was kind of like, uh, you know, the peak Kellen of 2022. Uh, you came to uh, the AVTT, which was the very first time I met you. And it was the first time golden tickets were a thing. And um, you ended up playing novitiates. What did you win the golden ticket with last year? Uh, also novitiates. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they were, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about how I think they're still good, but um, you guys talked about it last week as well, but they were very good back then as well. And um, there were a lot fewer uh, teams that gave them problems in that meta. Uh, so they were a very solid choice for the time. Yeah, there was no cults or Felgor yeah. or, or busted commandos. And people, yeah, people didn't realize what commandos were. <laughs> yeah, and that's also, be, I think, before commandos had their buff. Which was uh, adding the the grunt the, and the uh, yeah correct. It's yeah. wild to think that that was also pre critical ops, so they didn't oh, have an yeah. extra CP. none mm-hmm. of us had an extra CP. We were all starting with three command points, uh, um, we and we were playing on the we were yeah. playing on the jank ass uh, <laughs> missions. And um, that tournament was also, of course, a GW event, so it was on Octarius boards, which I have thoroughly grown to hate over the past couple years, but. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like playing the same thing for three years in a row, um, and GW not expanding to their Into the Dark. <laughs> yeah, you get a little bored. <laughs> Makes you it know? boring. Even Into the Dark can get boring if you play the same thing over and over and over. Um, it's uh, interesting times, you know. And that's uh, why you buy Squad Games Train. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you you played Novitiates and. 
Um, who was second place in that event? Do you remember? Um, I think it was, I think it was James, Jimmy Kelly. I think he took second. Okay. Uh, he was playing warp coven at the time and, uh, we faced off and I think round three and, um, I believe I, I did beat him. Uh, I'll be honest. There were some gambits involved. It was a lot of like, Oh, I hope I get initiative this turn. Um, but I rolled enough initiatives for me to get past him. And then I think he ended up winning his next game and coming right in underneath me. Mm. Very nice. And that's also when the death guard were, 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 uh, super crazy in the meta too, where they were stomping on everyone. Um, the compendium death guard. Yeah. I think death guard took like third or fourth that tournament. Yeah. Yeah. They took a couple, I think a, a couple decently high places in that tournament, but then, um, you ended up, no, I don't, I didn't know who you were. Um, this was also mine and G's like first year of running the all Valley team tournament. And, mm-hmm. um, I met Jimmy Kelly at a tournament and then how did you, how did you end up meeting Jimmy? Um, so, th- oh gosh, this is about three years ago at this point. So I was a freshman in college. Um, and I was playing a bunch of tabletop simulator and I decided to try out kill team and I found, uh, the command point discord. Uh, where people were playing Kill Team 2018. Um, and I just started getting into that, playing in their uh, Zenith bracket. Um, and I ran into James. I, I call him James because I knew him when his username was uh, James, not Jimmy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But we just played a bunch against each other, and we were pretty evenly matched uh, competitively at the time. And so we'd always have great games when we played against each other, and just randomly we were like, hey, like, where are you at? And I was like, Oh, I'm in SoCal. He was like, Oh, I'm in SoCal. He's like, Where? Where do you, which store do you go to? I was like, Oh, I go to Addie's Games. He's like, I go to Addie's Games. <laughs> and then it just randomly turned out that like we were in the exact same location. Um and so then uh after we did our runs through the Zenith Invitational back in like 2021, I think, uh together, we ended up meeting up and started uh competing uh at more in-person events as the uh quarantine started to loosen up and uh and then of course eventually uh he and his kids made kel team uh as kind of just like a club and they included me in it and then we started including more people and then kel team became what it is now and i know that turned into a bit of a history of kel team there but it is relevant to how i met jimmy it is also it is also relevant to our conversations it's interesting did you start off playing novitiates this whole time, like leading up to winning the golden ticket? So depends on how far back you want me to go. The first team that I really competed with was Comorites, the Compendium Drukari. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, I played against your Comorites. I think I recall that. When was that? It was at the Addies tournament uh, this year. Oh, that's right. Yeah. When I tried to bring them back and failed miserably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, but at the time, custod- this was when Custodes had like four APL and were the most broken thing in the world. Oh, yeah, I remember <clears> that small time. <laughs> and so Comorites were able to take like three AP2 weapons. And so I was just like, oh, well, what better option do we have to deal with <clears throat> these big Custodes? And uh, then it turned out, oh, wait running witches with agile gladiators is really, really good. Wait a minute. Power from pain is really, really good. Um, and then I started running them and I, I won a couple online tournaments with Comorites. 
Um, and then um, after that is when I picked up Novitiates. But I was playing Novitiates for probably a few months or more before I went to the San Diego Open. So I did have a lot of practice with them, and I was very comfortable with them at that point. So um, I know that uh, you ended up, I think you lost to Geller Pox from a couple bad rolls and a couple good things uh, at the AVTT, but I think you went undefeated other than that, correct? Oh man, we're talking a couple of years ago. Um, this is last year, last year. Well, yeah. Well, well it's almost going to be two years ago in about 30 days. Feels like a lifetime. Um, I did lose to Gellerpox. Maybe, maybe I lost to someone else. I wouldn't surprise me, but uh, no matchup was coming up to my mind that I recall um, losing. Granted, I also don't really recall my winning matchups that that tournament. That is fair. I think right after that, you ended up going to um, the previous uh, World Championships of Warhammer, though it was not called that, trust me. The uh, much smaller version. Yeah, the, the grand narrative, the finals of that year for Games Workshop, the golden ticket event, right? Yeah. Um, what did you end up taking there? I also took Novitiates. Um, okay. cause I didn't really want to learn a new team, uh, going into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to go with what I was comfortable with. And then I saw, uh, the bracket and I, it did not look very good for me. <laughs> it was all Hunter Clay. <laughs> yeah. So first off I played against ACE who at the time was number one player in the world and he was running Hunter Clay. So James and I put some games into it and it was like, Oh wait, Hunter Clay just beats Novitiates, and there's like not a lot you can do about it on Octarius boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was unfortunate, but we tried our best, and uh, yeah, it turns out double activating, uh, double fighting, rust stalkers that can run through the Octarius walls and stuff, um, just kind of kill your 10 girls very quickly. Yeah, um, that, 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 that rings true. And so then uh, we went down into the loser's bracket where miraculously uh, Chris Bakke had lost. So then I had to play against his blooded and I had never played against blooded before. I've been there. Yeah. We put up a decent fight. Um, Like I remember, I think I, uh, I got like an overwatch kill on his Ogren with one of the flamers. That was, that was nice. Yeah. It was something like that. But I also uh, tried to hide in melee from his plasma gun. Mm, uh, and he shot himself. Yeah, not remembering that uh, callous disregard was a thing. Uh, and that kind of spiraled it down from there. That one was also on Into the Dark. And um, on GW layouts, I do believe that Novitiates are objectively worse on Into the Dark. Um, this is also when I was trying to make uh, security work still. Because um, we didn't have critical ops recon. Right. Yeah, that didn't come rooms. out for about a month later. Yeah, unexplored rooms and I think recover item weren't a thing yet. <laughs> yeah, so um is that what ended up retiring your your novitiates? Was the was was what what ended up making you stop playing them? Because you haven't played them all year. Yeah. Well, in honesty, I mean I, I did stop playing them after this tournament, and there are two main reasons. Uh one of them funny enough is that i lost one of the flamer models at that hotel and i never got her back oh really that sucks yeah so there's a fully painted pergodas somewhere in uh uh 
somewhere in New Mexico right now. Um, Damn, that sucks. I, I I've got enough boxes. I've re I've rebuilt her, but I still need to repaint her. Um, but then also just uh, I think I realized like okay, this meta is starting to move into into the dark. Obviously, we didn't know what critical ops was going to look like yet. So this was like the jank ass uh, original into the dark boards if I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just like, okay, novitiates just can't hang on these boards. Um, and I can get more into, into why that is uh, if you want me to, but long story Absolutely. short. Absolutely. I mean, long story short, um, you know, a team can either build wide or they can build tall. If you're building wide, you have, you know, a bunch of, you know, six out of 10, seven out of 10 dudes. Um, but if you lose one, it's not the end of the world because you have more. A, a tall faction is like novitiates or Hyrotech, where you have like some 10 out of 10 models, but if they go down, your plan is over. And so the problem is that when novitiates are building tall, um, which is usually their style, I think there's a way to build wide, but I'll get into that later. Um, you have to split up your team. Uh, cause this is not like, uh, the squad games layouts this is not like the crit ops layouts. Uh, it was much more forcing your team to really split into squads this and is, divide this and conquer. Was, wasn't that also before the crit ops, like missions, like the, the, the crit ops, uh, layouts for the into the dark as well. Yes, I believe so. Those maps were fucking God awful. with, the, <laughs> I remember that dude, they were so bad. <laughs> Uh, secure the archetype. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, man. I, I I liked the uh, engaged data spirits one. That one was a good old time. <laughs> I like the one where objectives would disappear. What was that one called? Escalating, Escalating hostilities. Oh my yeah. gosh! That's On into the dark. One. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are the ones you remember because those were the good ones. Those are the ones people played. <laughs> there were ones that were never played. Seriously. Yeah. God, what was what? There was one where it's like the objectives would turn off one at a time. What? And so if your objective just turned off turn one, you just lose. Yeah. See, that yeah. doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah. It was like you number them one through four. And if an objective one on turn one could not be scored, but it was randomly determined where they were. Ooh, that's for a competitive play. That's too random. Oh, no, it wasn't even random. You're the attacker would get to choose. <laughs> so far, the track record has uh, whatever releases with the terrain is not good. So I'm I'm pretty excited about season three. See if any of them are good. <laughs> and it is. Not, I, it is I, not, I, you know, it could it could be jungle because they're releasing the white dwarf with jungle rules, and so maybe they're like, about, no, they're no. releasing the jungle rules. No. So maybe they'll be like, here's jungle terrain. Don't bring I'm not back. looking forward to the water world terrain. I no, just, I'm not it does, either. It doesn't it's, look fun to me. Like, I think I could play it as a narrative thing, but I don't know how the hell you're doing that competitively. It looks just tedious. I don't know. Like Making I, jump I, tests. I, Maybe the rules will make it all the better. Maybe the rules will make it all the worse, I guess. Oh, you mean how, uh, how uh, what is it? Nachmund has like the toxic cloud <laughs> terrain rules and stuff. I played with those rules one time. Um, they're not fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much RNG to the game. I agree. I apologize right. for derailing us. No, it's fine. It's fun. <laughs> derailed man it's back on the train now Mm -hmm. so um you know moving to uh the west like moving on from your uh stint with uh, novitiates uh you took a veteran guard to lvo uh that uh, and i think you placed 
10th? Right? 10th, I believe, is what we saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that was out of out of 87 actual players. I think we sold 100 tickets to the event. But uh, 87 players, 10th place is not bad. In fact, if you were 10th place at KTO, you would have went on to the um, top brackets. But Really? Yeah, because that's how KTO worked. And that's interesting. Nova does Nova does the uh, top eight brackets. That's besides okay. the point. So, um, how did VetGuard treat you at LVO? And did you did they help you, or did they they hinder? Did playing novitiates for so long help you or hinder you in that? Um, it was definitely a culture shock um, because I basically went. I, I was now hitting on fours where originally I was hitting all the time mm. and uh, suddenly there was uncertainty in my gameplay. Uh, not to say that novitiates are easy or that all their stuff is guaranteed, but they have like their tool is basically uh, you don't get diced or if you manage your resources, well, you don't get diced. Vetguard similar, similar um, to Kasserkin, right? Yeah, similar to Kazakhstan. I think Novitiates do it better than Kazakhstan just because they can do it in more places and they can have more manipulation. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, they have that mechanic that's kind of your safety net to make riskier plays. Um, and Vetguard, you have that in the sense that you have numbers, but it was it became much more. Um, I can't guarantee I'm going to get these kills. I need to be playing objective stuff. I need to be making sure I'm scoring more than my opponent and I'm leveraging my model count. Mm-hmm. Um, so originally hitting on fours was a bit of a uh, culture shock. Um, turns out I'm a relatively lucky person, so it wasn't the worst thing, but um, <laughs> it definitely hurt me sometimes. Good dice always help. <clears throat> yep. It's better to be lucky than good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, someone should put that on a shirt. Um, it's true. But Alternatively, uh, I was having a field day with the model count. Um, before this, as I was playing Novitiates, I would say like almost all the time, no team should have more than 10 models. Do you still agree with that statement? No. <laughs> Um, I said that because I was a novitiate player and we do best into teams that have fewer models than us. (laughs) Fair, fair. So do you think that, so novitiates weaknesses are, um, Hunter clade and model and teams that have more models than them. So like vet guard and, um, I I would say that it's their challenge. I think that they're, is play into that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and I think like, I would love to get another Hunter Clyde match in just because um, I feel like I'm seeing the team from a different light and just with the new objectives and the extra command points and stuff, I think they've got a bit more tools to deal with stuff. Um, but um, I guess to the point of like vet guard, uh, having 14 models, meaning that you basically out activated everyone meant that, you know, these key plays I was always able to get after my opponent had his chance to react. Um, and that made things like security much more easy. Um, mm. And I found myself uh, scoring uh, pretty well uh, in most of my games as vet guard. Okay. So um, you played vet guard very successfully. Um, you've, you know, played them three times this season for tournaments uh, and, 
You most recently won with them for the West Coast Championship. Um, what was kind of, and then your second tournament this year, which was, um, I believe it was your second, which was yeah, our, enough. no, it was our, our summer tournament, uh, our yearly in the beginning of June. You also played Vetguard. So you went LVO Vetguard, then you went Vetguard in the summer, and then oh, that's right. you won this year with Vetguard, but you didn't do nearly as well that time because you ran into Star, Star Striders a couple times. Twice, yeah. Yeah. So from playing them uh, so well this past year, what is like your kind of like best tips for people who play Vetguard or people that are playing against them? Like we've talked about them quite heavily on this podcast, but I would love to see here whether whether it's an echo chamber or whether you f- you figured out something else that we can we can talk about. Yeah, okay. That's interesting because I, I on my way to Nova, I listened to your to the episode where you talk about Vetguard and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I had my own takeaways from that, like taking the melt gun for once. Um, but did you uh, like it? <laughs> I love the melt gun. Yeah. It's amazing. I was like, but you might only get one hit and then it's like, Oh, one hits all I need. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but gosh, I mean, like, I don't want to say that Vetguard are a solved team, but I mean, they've been around for so long. They have, I feel like a lot of the tricks have been felt out. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. on the utility of clear the line mm-hmm. at the socal open because uh, i'm sure we're going to get to it where i i picked i picked them back up and you know as you as we were talking about I, yeah, you played them four times yeah you're right yeah so at socal um i was using that strat like almost every time clear and the line it, clear the line yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like it handy in random places it's like oh i need to do like there's a, a guy over there on four wounds and you just send the heart in there and you know he's going to die mm-hmm. um or like um at west coast champs there was an assault intercessor on three wounds and i just had two ga2 guardsmen and i was like all right well both of you are guaranteed to do two damage go get them <laughs> and mm-hmm. like just the guaranteed damage you get from that also the guaranteed parries like you know if you're fighting a team like are you going to survive combat with an orc all the time like usually you won't but sometimes they get two hits true and then it's pretty nice to guarantee you're going to get a parry yeah um and things like that what's what's fascinating is that i see our differences in play is that i see you use um uh reroll ones quite a lot more than i do even on turn one what is your your thought your thoughts behind uh taking taking that over move 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 turn one um i think it depends on what i think i'm going to be able to achieve um i love to leverage the spotter especially on open boards Mm -hmm. um and like you know i usually have in my last deployment group i love attacking as vet guard um so I usually get to see where the opponent is. So usually I can like do my best to leverage a turn one spotter shot. And so if I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm playing against Colt or some like horde team where I think that, you know, I might be able to grenade launcher a group of people. I'll throw we reroll ones in there. Cause you know, if I'm going to blast three guys, that's 12 dice. I'm going to roll some ones and I would like to have that, um, that guarantee. Um, and, uh, just like you know the one inch of movement is nice but you don't always need it 
uh, I usually pre-measure uh, my deployments and I see like, okay, can I, you know, move dash or can I single move onto these objectives, get to where I want to be? Will this extra inch be redundant um, or is it like necessary to get a good position? So um, it, I, in the cases where it's needed, I will take it. But I find a lot of the time um, that one inch of movement um, will only be useful on someone like the demo man. And if we're talking about my opponent maybe giving me a demo blast turn one versus, you know, getting a little bit of extra efficiency on some shooting I'm lining up for turn one, sometimes I'll take that. But I, um, I will say that I, I don't take take aim turn one all the time. Mm-hmm. And I do find value in move, move, move. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I would say that, yeah, I, I think I default to take aim more often. Um, and I don't know. I, I roll a decent amount of ones um, into uh, hits with that one. It's worked out for me uh, quite in- a bit in the past. It's interesting. I usually take move, move, move because I I prefer um, pressing early on objectives and sure. like and um, being able to take like my my expendable models, the expendables. <laughs> Get it? Um, yeah. <clears throat> and and possibly like. Uh, taking a back objective that sometimes you can only do if you have that extra inch of move. Also that ex- extra inch of move is a- also great on like your leader for a charge or an unseen shot. And sometimes even the Melta or your sniper. Like I, I sometimes I'll play really aggressive with the sniper turn three and turn four. Cause I'm like, all right, well, a lot of them are dead. I might as well start running around and he's basically another plasma, right? Yeah. If you, if you play him aggressive, <clears throat> Um, is there anything that you do? Like, like I know that you just talked about your, your strategy with the, with your hardened veteran and you, you were telling me you take him every time when I don't, why don't you tell us like what you do with your hardened vet specifically? Um, yeah. So I am in the habit of, uh, taking the hardened veteran sometimes I think in SoCal, it was like every time I took him instead of the confidant, which I know some people uh, would call heresy. Um, but I think only on into the dark, is it heresy? But yes, continue. Yeah. I, I think I took him on the into the dark boards, but um, on my open boards, I was leaving him at home, taking the, uh, the hardened. I did take him every game and I would give him a rosary and I'd give him a crack grenade. Makes him super uh, tanky, super tanky. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you guys have on your YouTube channel when I played against Jamie's Phobos, Hardened veteran takes like 16 damage and survives. And on survives. <laughs> yeah. That's the best part. So anyone who, know, who, who, who plays vet guard always, if you take the hardened veteran, I always suggest putting the rosary on him. I've never thought about putting the crack grenade on him, but I think I'm going to steal that uh, because I never, ever, ever get to throw my crack grenade or my frag grenade. Cause typically I'm using them on my little auxiliary dudes and I throw them up the table and they die anyway. So exactly. I, I, I waste it. And that's the thing, because your troopers, they're your utility. They're, they're your tools. They're not, um, they're not meant to be your weapon. Uh, they are doing mission actions for you. They are going into weird positions to get you center line or central control. And they're achieving all of that for you. Um, and so, like, you can't, it feels natural to give them a crack grenade, but like, um, if you do, you're, you're giving, you might be giving up mission play. Yeah. The hardened veteran, his job is to kind of, 
absorb shots, make people waste act, waste more activations than they think they have to to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then if you're leveraging that by having him move into a precarious position to throw a decent damage grenade, which I think is another thing is I like the crack grenade and I think it works amazingly with uh, take aim. Agreed. So usually I, I, I put take aim on the turns where I want to throw that grenade. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he goes up, he throws that. He does a decent amount of damage usually and usually one model is not enough to take him out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have not only either damaged or killed an enemy model, but not only does he then trade that model and an activation to get me back, he might have to burn two activations, in which case that model by throwing a crack grenade and surviving one activation has <clears throat> basically drawn three enemy, three enemy models into that trade. Heaven forbid you do it. The final action of your turning point. They turn around and they kill the model and then you use only in death and you run and steal a point with them. Oh yeah. Absolutely glorious. <laughs> only in death is so good. I think that's another thing. I think you talk about this as well. It was a mistake I made early on in SoCal that I corrected very quickly. Do not use only in death on your gunners unless you like absolutely have to. It is almost always better to use it to mess with people's uh, objective play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I've done that quite a few times specifically like i think the best play i ever did was against dylan up in uh at bao um it was a is a game that i think i took uh five to one primaries and two on turning point one and turning point two and i was able to or it was at least five to one on turning point one but i was able to like he was able to like kill one of my models and then i was able to like only in death him move on to a different uh steal the point move him over. And this is just like a normal dude. So, so I stole the point with one AP moved to the other one with move, move, move. And then I used the other GA two to steal the back one and it was loot. So I was able to steal both his back ones. And it was just like, like w- the things that you can do with only in death, isn't just shooting. Isn't just like trading plasma or letting plasma shoot twice. It's some really interesting things that you can do. Another great thing <clears throat> that doesn't get talked about a lot is it's harder to set up, but if you do a move, 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 and you put your crack grenade and frag grenade on your, on your actual like little models, like your auxiliaries, they do have the opportunity to, um, alpha strike yes. in certain situations. Right. So like you can do the, your, your pregame dash move seven inches. All of a sudden you have a 16 inch threat range with two different grenades. So, and you can do them at the same time. <laughs> You're gonna <laughs> models are gonna die, but uh, yeah, it can be really detrimental, especially if somebody like really grouped up really hard. So to keep that in mind too. Absolutely. So you, mm-hmm. go ahead, G. Go ahead, G. You find the most success with vet guard, but I noticed this whole year you've been playing all sorts of teams. Was were you just trying to like find your play style to fit this meta? What were you doing? Um, I, I like to, uh, generally try to find kind of like a counter meta pick, um, like, uh, Comorites was a team that no one was really playing and cause custodies were the big thing. And I saw like, Oh, this is the team that deals with custodies the best. And I started playing them and they just turned out to be naturally good otherwise. But I was just kind of trying to find teams that people weren't really thinking about. Um, and see if there was something behind them that uh, maybe we've been overlooking. Most of the time, that did not work. 
<laughs> but, but it we'll was go, still worth we'll the try. This. Yeah. Like you, you had an interesting choice. I'm just looking at um the whole year of what you've been picking. And I remember playing against you with most of these teams. <laughs> um you know, I'll give it to you. You've have you've had a lot of interesting choices. What was your <laughs> what was your uh, your favorite and your least favorite? Um, I loved Hand of the Archon. I, d- I don't think that was really a counter meta pick per se, um, but that was a team that I got beaten by at Hammer of Wrath, and I was like, "Wow, this is really aggravating to fight against." I would love to do this to other people, <laughs> and uh, so I started playing them. And I took them to Nova, and I I really liked them. Um, Exaction Squad as well, even though they let me down. I think they're still one of the most fun teams to play. I really hope they get buffed because if they do, who knows? I might play them. I, I love their board control style. Well, you had one of the hottest takes on our hot take show. Um, yeah. Yeah. That runs every now and then you, yeah. you, you called in and you said exaction was S tier similar to how people keep telling us. Um, Hyratech is S tier. Um, let us remind you they had a 20% win rate at uh, the world championships. Um, uh, <laughs> still in the book. Um, though we'll see after the balance data slate, they very well could become S tier. They're a very good team in general. They um, are about B tier right now is, is that, what my updated ranking is. You, I, you did I, play under, them. You did I did play, play them. them. And I, I tried to get back into them recently to try to like, see if, you know, I could fix my mistakes and try to, run them better and oh my god uh elite teams absolutely roll them it is not Wait, funny. what you mean yeah. you mean the team with a bunch of plasmas gets rolled by like intercession what uh, plasmas are we talking about exaction still oh exaction sorry we, i was talking about hearthkin salvagers oh, um, oh i did not catch on to that we were talking about hearthkin <laughs> you're fine you're fine I thought we're, we're still talking about heretic <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I got, I got really thrown off. So, back to so, 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 so we're gonna talk about exaction. We'll we'll go to the okay. other ones that yeah, you let's played. Start with this exaction. Year. Okay, we'll go to exaction. Yeah. All right. So, um, you played exaction at Hammer of Wrath, and yes. your take was S tier. So we're, we're we're correcting all of our wrongdoings, going back in time with the the time stone from um uh from the MCU. So, uh, <laughs> so what was like the big take? Uh, you played me in that and you beat me. You did. did. You did. did. Um, how, how was exaction squad? And you said you rate them heavily in B tier. Yeah. Um, I think that, and like, uh, Rob could, uh, corroborate this. I forget his last name, but he, he was Rob McLeod. Out. Yeah, he was playing the uh, the hand of the archon at the mm-hmm. tournament. He's amazing. He's guy. the HOA. Mm-hmm. I was uh, one <laughs> like my dice were f- pretty much failing me. I think I was also misusing them. Uh, the team still does hit on fours in a lot of situations. You did not roll great that tournament. I did not roll great that tournament. I was really trying not to tilt myself over that, <laughs> but it was hard. <clears throat> um, but I mean, as a matter you know, of fact, if you had it, some squad games dice, uh, you know. Available. You know, <laughs> I, I did buy a set of squad game dice at the All Valley Team Tournament, and I haven't been diced since. So there we go. There I we go. <laughs> I also noticed that there are a couple extra sixes on those dice, but you know. <laughs> yeah. 
your opponent won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, but yeah, just uh, they uh, have a bit of a, a dice dependency thing. And I think that can be overcome if you're really playing into their strengths. Um, but if you're trying to get aggressive, it can be a struggle. Um, I think into a lot of teams, taking all shields is a trap. Uh, uh, I did not believe that at the time. I believe that a bit more so now. Uh, and also, like, elite teams, yeah, they just absolutely roll. They Exaction do. squad. They do. Um, I've played some games into Phobos. I don't know how Exaction beats Phobos. Gee, you played into Exaction and you I didn't want to bring it up. You said that yeah. they were... You said that they were... <laughs> They they did frustrate you as a Space Marine player. Yes, but they, they didn't like, there wasn't a whole lot of stopping power. I think your crack grenade was the big stopping power. Which is and, not what you want to hear from, yeah, from, your, team. <laughs> from your team. Like, that's the thing. Um, but those shields put, the shields and the phosphor lumens put you in such a difficult place as elite teams that rely on like rerolls and only so many guys that a lot of the time you're not killing them and they're not killing you, but you're being delayed. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is just that like, like an assault intercessor might whiff against a shield guy, uh, but it turns out a double firing bolter takes them down pretty good. Still. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I remember, I remember in my game, you had like a, like two shield guys in the center. And then I just charged like six vet guard into the middle of the yeah. table, which it, was a mistake, but it was still fun to see. I was like, kill these guys in yeah. two turns. I dare you. And you're like, and I two, can't. Two, and I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to be fair, I think that uh, in my looking when I went back to them, I think that uh, I took the wrong composition into you as well. I think okay. in like vet guard and pathfinders, you don't take the shields. Maybe your leader has one, but I think you go full shotguns and then you just pop uh, guilt reveals itself and you just walk forward and delete every single model you look at. I can see that. Yeah, I, can I think see that's too. I think that's more the play into vet guard. But um, yeah, if someone does take shields, you can kind of just hold them in a place and they can't kill all of you. Sometimes they can't kill one guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good strategy. So what was the highlights of the team? And then what do you think was the biggest drawback? Like, cause I mean, you're extreme. So everyone knows like Kellen is very, a very competitive player. So a lot of these insights are going to be super helpful just in general. So like, what was your, your biggest takeaways from exaction? Um, I'll talk about one matchup and then I'll talk about some general stuff. I still believe that even in today's meta, they would take Colts lunch money. Oh yeah. Um, just cause like their hot take, huh? Torments rely on rerolls. Mutants rely on rerolls. Um, you turn those off as exaction squad. You've got the shotguns to deal with their other stuff. Like a torment might just not hit you. With yeah. five attacks on fours, if it gets three hits, which is, you know, average for no rerolls, you hit first, you parry out two of them. That guy's now not killing you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, I'll, I'll, I'll defend the Colts. Sure. Um, I think that they still take the, the match just because like, if you're taking a bunch of shields and phosphor lumens, um, they still have like way more models. And then on top of that, they can pretty reliably charge models and just free mutate because you're not going to kill all the things that you fight. Mm, uh, and fair. then it's like, even if you kill them, there's, there's just going to be a slog match. But here's the thing. Like if they just tie up all your dudes, they can still run around with all their little normies and kill stuff or, or score points. So I think it's just like, they just out activate in That's my fair. opinion. 
Um, I think that I think that that's like it's possible, but I just don't think they have enough killing. Yeah, uh, in a but uh, I would say that those are fair points. Uh, in a general sense for the team, um, I loved the board control aspect of them. I really appreciated this, especially when I started playing them again um, last month. Um, and I think in general, just like it really taught me um, how to play the board with any team really mm. um because if you play exaction squad you'll quickly learn that you do not win matches by charging and fighting you win matches by charging uh looting a point off of someone's feet forcing them to fight into you and then like leveraging these models in a way that you're not actually killing people but you're making people very frustrated to proceed forward and do their plan mm-hmm. um and not to mention that like the Proctor exactons, uh, screamy, uh, uh, speaker thing is really annoying, especially on stuff like loot. Um, they're really good at denying enemy points. And I think that, uh, it kind of reinforced and taught me some movement shenanigans that have helped me even with other teams. Like even now, as I'm playing novitiates and stuff, I found myself charging and passing with a melee model just, you know, to achieve, to deny points or to achieve one thing or the other uh, where it might be more valuable than just straight up killing a model. Um, and so I think that's a valuable skill in competitive play because uh, as much as it is kill team, th- there are times when killing the model is not the optimal play. Correct. Um, and so I think that that team just subconsciously ingrained that into my competitive behavior more. Um, so I think that was valuable for playing the team. <clears throat> but I will say, as far as drawbacks go for them, they need a 12th fucking model. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you think need, they need to, to fix the team? I don't know if it would fix it. Um, I don't think... like Another thing you could do is maybe have their attack profile hit on threes with the shields. So there's a reason to use it, because right now there's no reason to not go defensive. Yeah. Um, make them a bit, That would make them a bit more consistent. Um. And like, uh, maybe like give them more access to rerolls from long range so that there's some reason to take the gunners. Um, like the Weber is fine, but the grenade launcher is just not it. It's um, four shots and it's a decent shot. It's four, six with AP one, but it hits on fours. It doesn't synergize with any of your army rules because you can't shoot it into combat. And oftentimes you're just not getting natural rerolls. So you have to command point that thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, some more synergy with your long range profiles maybe but ultimately I think the thing that I've found is you can, pl- like this team can function but I think it just needs one more idiot with a shotgun uh, on the team just to feel like you know, okay I can now trade a bit more because like if you look at the Breacher matchup like actually Arbides have, you can ask Jimmy Kelly about this, Arbides actually have a pretty good match in the Breachers but if you compare the two uh, they're both eight wound teams because let's be real, you're taking the stems. They're eight wound teams with a four up save and a close range profile. Uh, Arbides are naturally better, but then breachers have more specialists and more um, high damage strats and things like that. But they get 12 models and Arbides get 11. And um, I don't think it would really ground shake the game too much if you just had another idiot with a shotgun that you could run and 
blast someone with before they go down. Something that I would like to see that might break the team entirely, but what I would like to see nonetheless to, to play into the cops theme more often. Well, firstly, if they could arrest eight wound models, since everything keeps going up in wounds, that would be great considering right now they can just like arrest inquisition, vet guard and Tau. um, Tower deserved yeah, novitiates, but um, <laughs> I think I think like a twelfth model would be really nice, and also like giving GA two to all of their 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 normal shotguns, dudes. Because when when you think about it, like they should be like they're like teams, you know, like. That's what you see in all the cop, like bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? <laughs> you know, like they come they roll up in a squad car together, right? They, they roll up in a, in a spaceship together. I think that they should have more GA2 activations. And I think that would make yeah. them be able to deal with mech teams a little bit better. If you were able to, to do two shotgun guys in an activation, you might be able to do something to a space brain rather yeah. than just dying. And I think that's very true because, um, I mean, they do have a single instance of double activating right now. And it is quite good. I think uh, it's the, the, the dog master and the dog. Mm-hmm. I think people underestimate that guy. Oh, I love that guy. In several cases, I have had that combo, like one shot, a full health space brain. Yeah. I love Scooby. He's a good, he's a good model. Um, so yeah, having more of that just to like charge a shield in and then fo- follow up with a shotgun. So now like, you know, they're down to like six wounds and they can't fight their way out of the shield mm-hmm. or um, just double shotgunning someone. Like moving, you know, yeah, you know, you can think of different things that you could do with them. Um, I think that that would be. I don't know if that would break them. It'd be cool though. I don't think it would. It it probably probably wouldn't because if you gave them GA two on like one more group of people, suddenly that team has like nine or ten activations Mm -hmm. instead of ten, eleven, and which is good and bad. Yeah, I was gonna say it's. I, I I don't like that idea. Like now you're just getting out activated by a lot of stuff, and also it's not <laughs> you just, just go the, on guard because you know they're police. Sure. They yeah. Yeah. See. <laughs> what, what now? What if you're on an open board, Dakota? Uh, Overwatch. Make it their special rule. Yeah. Shotgun Overwatch. Overwatch. Long range shotgun profile. <laughs> it's on sixes now. Hey. Um. But like, it's not just the teams that have more models than you out activating. Like, I'm sure that. I mean, as a Vekar player, I would still experience this against like intercession and stuff. Like sometimes uh, you have several models that you don't want to move yet. And so like they might still have like three, you might only be like three activations in and already be like, man, I already have to start making risky moves that I don't want to make because it might draw a shot. I'm all about um, it. And so uh, uh with uh, if our BDs go down in activations, that just means that even more of their guys are going to have trouble setting things up because you know um, they're just one step closer to um, an opponent being able to react to that activation. If that makes sense, that's true. That's true. Um, we'll move on to the next team. So we'll kind of go in in order. The next team that you really played was Comorites. We'll we'll skip them though because yeah, they're competitive. No, they're, they're not good. They're not good. Um, we'll move on to uh, Hyrotech because that was your next team. Uh, you're really up on these guys as well. 
Yeah. So <laughs> what made you, what made you like think like, this is the team to take? They were right scary now. though. When I played you with them, I was so terrified of you like jumping to my back line as vet guard and killing like 10 of my models. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to spread out and see what happens. Well, if I recall, I think you won that game. I did because you didn't want to go into the center of the board where the, vet, where the mine layer was, which is, yes, yeah, which was guy. the point. It's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, the point. They were a lot of fun, and uh, I think I wanted to look into them. One, because I'm, I'm a Necron fan. I I have a Necron army um, in various stages of paint and falling apart <laughs> and having been stepped on by my dog and stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it's a very abused uh, collection right now. Okay, they, they grow back to life, right? Yeah, they do. I'm waiting for the reanimation protocols to kick mm-hmm. in. Some of them are taking a minute. <laughs> um, but I, I just like Necrons. Um, I love their feel. I don't think that Hyrotech is my Necrons. They don't feel like Necrons to me. They don't. Um, but I was still eager to try them. And I did. I loved the uh, the Cryptech idea of the Cryptech actions and stuff. I thought that was cool. Again, I don't know if it's the most Necron-y thing. Um, I'm more Immortals and Lich Guard kind of guy. Mm. Um, but uh, it was still cool. And I thought that there was some decent play. And I still think that, you know, Necrons have a good match into cultists, which, you know, especially back then, that was kind of the big boogeyman was cult. Um, and like, you know, just with the cryptic alpha strike and everything, like I thought there was some really cool play until you realize that they have like two, like they have one 10 out of 10 model. They've got like two, like eight out of 10 models. And then everyone else is just kind of around. Um, and that was kind of the big thing is they are very tall and I think they are a bit too tall. If that makes sense. Mm. I remember cause when we, I, was, I was playing against you at, I think it was at ease. Yeah. And you did the, you did the alpha strike thing. Like you, you know, I positioned myself a little poorly on my, on my mistake. I survived it, but you got me. And I was like, that's the strength of that weapon. I get it now. So I knew immediately I had to kill that thing. Um, yeah, that, that was the Psychomancer. So the that Psycho was a Mancer. bunch of shots on. It was 2-2, two, two, but it was AP2 with Splash. Yeah, it was insane. Um, but the thing I noticed was when I killed the Psychomancer, it you was have nothing. Like, you have nothing. Like, and I, then he I just, had that board. Yeah, and like then he didn't reanimate. Yeah, for two turns. They, like He came back, and then I killed him before he got activate. So like the RNG on the team makes it kind of tough. Yeah, like you you can't. like they need, they need to have a thing that says like, you can use command point reroll on the reanimation roll or yeah, something or something because I, like just there, there are too many times where that team just shuts down. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. The, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the, I mean, the HQ is the best thing about that team. Right. Mm-hmm. But like the lore, the aesthetic, whatever they did with that team, I'm not a fan of, I like the immortals. Uh, I've always said that if they ever brought out score destroyers into kill team, I would I would convert because that's my favorite Necron model. Um, yeah, but like I don't know. Like they they tried to make Necrons into this like really weird trickery, like Elven. Maybe, maybe they went with like like the we're old evil, so we do weird stuff. But they just they're way too complicated for their own good. You know, that's why they got buffed like four or five times, six, five times in a row, four times in a row. Something like that. When I first saw Hyrotech being yeah. played, I was baffled at the number of tokens they had to put on the board. <laughs> they yeah. have so many tokens they play with. Yeah. yeah. And if it, and if anything, there's like, they're okay, but they're still not, they're still not to the level of 
you know, any of the S tier teams. Maybe if they bring the all the S tier teams down, maybe we'll see like a different meta kind of emerge. Like uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. So um <clears throat> what was like your biggest takeaway with Hyrotech? And is there anything that you'd want to tell people that are thinking about playing that team or playing that team, maybe coming to LVO? Um you cannot be a salty bitch if you're going to play Hyrotech. (laughs) 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 Because they will fail you in one of your games. Do not take Hyrotech if you expect to win, because there will come a time when uh, your stuff will not reanimate and you'll just lose a flank when you're not supposed to. Uh, You have to play them as if they don't have reanimation protocols, at which point you have an eight model team and two of them are like support staff at which point, why Uh, would you bring them? But exactly. Um, so like you can't be salty, go to have a good time, go to enjoy the lore. Um, but, um, otherwise, I mean, you gotta play that. You gotta unlock the crypt, the crypt tech. That is the sauce. Uh, if you're going to, if you're planning on taking them, pick them up now and start getting games in and really get down how to leverage that crypt tech into the best it can be. And also never take anything but the chronomancer. I tried the psychomancer. He's fine, but the chronomancer is better. (laughs) Fair. That is fair. And the technomancer is garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get the technomancer in the box? Uh, No. I don't no, think so. You don't get, you get like, there's like three, there's like two models you don't get in the box. It's an expensive team. Um, what, what's fascinating is I think that like higher tech are actually okay into cults. Like yes. much like they're, they were okay into, um, uh, you know, commandos were okay into commandos as well. Um, <laughs> Or no, commandos were okay into cults as well. Um, or good, supposedly. Uh, and then lost every game. So, not by a lot, but they did lose. I mean, yeah. that's ultimately like the problem with with that phrase. Like, they're good into cultists. That's good, but they're not good into everything. And yeah. you're not just playing cultists at top tables. You most likely are, but there's going to be those other ones, or maybe even the lower tables before you get to top. Mm-hmm. And then you might not ever make it to top because that happened, you know? Yeah. See, like I felt a lot of pressure as a vet guard player against higher tech. Like I felt like I could have lost the game at any moment. Right. But like against like a mech team, I've seen it. I've seen people play it like TOing and stuff like against like a, a six man, three up save army. Like it can, it can really not go well. Of course, of course, if you play right or the trains, right. You know, you can. It's just it's it's going to be a, a team that requires a lot of skill to pilot for sure yes. to be successful. So moving on to your next team that you that you pick up picked up throughout the year, um, you took it to Nova, and that was Hand of the Archon. Yeah, the yeah. HOA. Yeah, the HOA here to inspect <laughs> your homes to make sure they're okay. <laughs> um, what did you got? What, so I know that you said at you 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 played them at, at Hammer of Wrath, and you were very impressed by them. And they're like they're they're Comorites 2.0, right? And Corsair's better half. Yeah. Um what did you what really like sparked your interest about the team outside of just like the lore and you know bringing you back to your roots? Um 
mechanically, I thought pain tokens were something that uh, you could do a lot with. I mean, granted, you know, it's limited what you can do with them on paper. It's like reroll plus one APL dash after killing something. But the shenanigans you can get up to with those um, were really interesting to me. Why don't you explain what they do exactly for sure. everyone listening? So every time a model kills an enemy, depending on how many wounds they have, you get a certain number of pain tokens. Mm-hmm. Then later on, you can spend these pain tokens to do certain things. If you do it at the start, you can pay a pain token to get an extra APL. That's your version of a comms because your team doesn't actually have one. Um, you can just use it as like a faith point or a command point reroll at, a, at some point in the game. Or you can spend it after you've killed an enemy to dash away even if you've charged. Uh, no, you can do this even if you just earned that pain token. So a lot of the time, what you could do is like charge in, kill something, spend the pain token, dash away. Um, and things like that. Um, and just, it's an open toolbox where if you can get the team rolling suddenly they are doing all kinds of shenanigans to your opponent. Uh, suddenly your gunner has an extra APL that they weren't accounting for. Suddenly um, a guy who has missed all of his shots is now re-rolling and uh, becoming a lot more efficient than he was supposed to be at no cost to your command points. Um, you know, I already talked about dashing after killing something and how strong that is. Um, and so that was really interesting to me. Um, because, you know, it was not automatic. You had to earn that because you had to play well and get kills without the model dying in return. Um, but then also the team is weirdly durable as well. Uh, the six up feel no pain comes into play a lot more than you think. The amount of like four damage weapons that suddenly just might not kill a guy uh, is pretty insane. Um, and then, of course, the pain grenade. The Disciple of Yulindra is hilarious. And that was the thing that, like, when I was playing Exaction Squad into them, it blew up, like, three shield guys, and they were useless for the rest of the game. And that's when I was like, oh, I would love to do this to other people just so it can never happen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What does that pain, what what does that grenade do for people not familiar with it? So you throw it. It goes through walls. You don't need line of sight. Uh, and Isn't it's just amazing. It's so, break more. It's rules. such a such a broken so, thing, but I love so it. So good. So uh, what it does is basically it's a two inch burst where on a three up plus one to the roll if they uh, if you can see the uh, enemy minus one if they have a three up saver better. Um, they are injured for the rest of the game, I believe, regardless of any rules. Um. I believe I forget which way that goes. And they take like two mortal wounds at the uh, start of every turn. Yeah. The main thing is the injury because suddenly like stuff is moving slower. Stuff is um, hitting worse. Um, when I played against uh, uh, Leander at Nova against this commandos, it was Leander playing commandos, right? Yeah. Yeah. I believe. It was like I, I got the uh, the thing off on I believe I think I got the grenade off on his bomb squig, and it charged in, and uh, he decided to try to fight with it, to try to you know get me to kill it in combat and have it explode, and it was hitting on fives all of a sudden and it just missed, 
same thing with uh, his commando knob. I was able to get it on his knob and that, um, and that uh, slowed the guy down enough. It um, made him hit worse and he did whiff in combat against one of my models. Um, and so it just means that it completely disrupts your team. And because it can, you can hit them anywhere because the team also has the ability to dash for free. Um, they just can't come into the middle of the board until she's moved. Um, and the fact that like against a lot of teams, it goes off on a three, even if you can't see them, it is, it is annoying to play and, against. And also they, re- they receive two mortal wounds every round at the beginning. Exactly. Of every round. It's crazy. Um, so those are all the things that you really liked about it. Now we, I'm pretty sure I know the reason why you stopped playing them. Um, yeah. So why don't you tell everyone? So there's a specific reason, like this team is awesome. This team is great, but now why don't you tell us? They are absolute poopy dog water into commandos. (laughs) They are terrible into commandos. Mm -hmm. Um, I have won one game against them. Um, and I, and I, I genuinely believe it was, it was because Leander had not played against uh, hand of the archon before. I think that if we played that matchup again, he would absolutely wipe my face on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, I, I couldn't begin to get into the anatomy of why that matchup is so bad, but just a combination of them being great in melee, having good shooting, having more models than you having more wounds than you having just a scratch. Um, I'm sure there's some other stuff I'm forgetting about out activating you <laughs> out activating you. Yep. Um, having more wounds than you. Yeah. It just makes <laughs> it. Exactly. I could go on. <laughs> it, it just makes the, uh, it makes the matchup so hard. Um, and, uh, James was playing commandos and he went up against someone else who was playing hand of the archon. And he was saying like, you know, yeah, I've, I've played this matchup before and there's like nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so with commandos being so prevalent at the time, it was like, I love this team. I feel very sharp with them. I feel like I play very good games with them and they're very powerful. But as long as people are still taking commandos in the volume, they are, I cannot compete with them. Mm. Yeah, commandos right now are, I think the most popular team, them and intercession still. So yeah. Yeah. Now they roll intercession, which is funny, but mm-hmm. Yeah, commandos are rough. That is fair. So, um, is there any kind of like high level tactics? Well, there's one thing that I would love to see them um, uh, games workshop because the balanced data slate should be coming out, I believe, uh, this week or next week. Um, so, like, it might be out by the time we re record uh, this. This airs, but like, what is? Do you remember the question that you had to ask Matt? Because I ruled it a little differently. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the Cabalite banner. Mm-hmm. I will pull it up if you give me two seconds. Sure. sure. And because this was um, ruled a specific way at Nova, I don't think we've asked. It hasn't been ruled on on an official GW event that I know of. I've had to rule on it. Uh, it's a it's a weird right. question that I hope gets errated. If yeah. anyone from Games Workshop is listening. Um, that would be nice. Are, are, are we about to get in? Because, uh, like, if, you know, if we're going to uh, be getting into this, just know that I am prepared to die on the hill for this thing. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. But okay. It's Cabalite okay. Banner. 
While a friendly, it's two equipment points. You can only take one, but it goes on anyone. I take it on the flare, uh, the person who has minus one damage and the good melee. While a friendly hand of the Archon operative is visible to and within three inches of this operative, when determining control of an objective marker, treat that friendly operative's APL characteristic as being one higher. Nope, this is not a modifier. The ruling here comes in, and the way it ruled at Nova was that that does in fact apply to every friendly visible operative within three. Um, of every objective, right? On any objective, if he's within... Yeah, it do, do, it, yeah, it, it just do, it doesn't matter like where the objective is. All it is is like if you are friendly and visible, um, within three of that guy, any objective you happen to be standing on, uh, you count a, your model counts as one APL higher. Meaning that two models standing on one objective suddenly are six APL. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so how that, o- that ruling is contested? Yeah. So how other people have seen it is that it's just one model. Uh, and how I say it is that it's any model, but for N specific objective, because it says, and it specifies, but like, who knows? Like I'm not an English major, you know, um, just kind of like, it'd be nice to get clarification on a, on on a couple rules, but that would be one of them. Um, is there any kind of high level tips that you would, uh, give out to any players looking to say, play these, play this team more competitively? Um, I, I don't think I see enough people taking the uh, Capolite banner. I think it is taken. Granted, I think it's a lot better if it's ruled in the way it was ruled at Nova. I'm on, I'm mm-hmm. on your side with this banner. I'm reading it, and an objective marker isn't specifically one objective marker of a choice. Yeah. It's and, as and many it's, that you're within. And then it's like, if it is one objective marker, when do you choose which one it is? Could you flip-flop back and forth at any point? Like right. that, That's kind of where the confusion comes in. That's, I mm-hmm. would have to say it can it can work for all of them. Um, but if that is the case, um, take that on your flare and, uh, just basically in, in most of your matches, um, just because, uh, it just opens up objective play for you. Um, suddenly, like, even if you're going up against APL three teams, like, oh, well now I can't like steal an objective from a space brain. Yes. But you stop them from stealing it from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. And I think that people do recognize the power of it. I think people do take it. I think people take it less than they should. Um, otherwise, I'm really, I'm really getting um, quizzed on teams I haven't played in a couple months. Right. <laughs> Let me think about it for a second. <laughs> I think everyone knows that he takes pay the soul debt pretty much every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have found that you don't take it into like 10 model teams because there's not enough. Um, and generally they'll prevent uh, your kills. Okay. Um, so you want to make sure that you're going to be able to generate enough pain tokens to make that worth your while. Um, they can do just fine with, um, with seek and destroy in certain matchups uh, without that. Um, don't take the other ones. So pay the souls is if, if the soul tally debt is seven or more, you score one. And if it's nine or more, you score, you score, uh, you score another one. Yeah. So. And generally that is like a certain number of kills minus one because generally your flare will give you at least one pain token throughout the game mm-hmm. um but you know you have to have the confidence that you're going to get those kills um i'm trying to think like uh i think that people um the people that have played these guys a lot i think generally know how to play them 
I think uh, it really just comes down to player skill in general. Like knowing so this how is, you would think that this team is is more of a of a high skill cap team. So you want to be at least decent at the game before you like see a lot of success with them. I think you could do fine. I think you could do well with them as a new player just because they do have raw damage. But I think that a lot of the skill to this team comes from knowing how movement works, knowing how to leverage APL, um, knowing when to attack, knowing how to get non-reciprocal shooting, um, and uh, things like that, which is not necessarily Hand of the Archon specific. But you know, I think that if you practice them um, and you have those skills, then you will do well with them. One thing I will actually say, now that I think about it, is um, stop taking the shredder. <laughs> Okay. Please. Why is that? The blaster is generally better. <laughs> yeah, it's like a plasma uh, overcharge. Yeah. Um, and the, here's the thing, like, yes, you you know, into like Colts, take the shredder. Vet guard, yeah, take the shredder. Pathfinders, I don't know where you're seeing Pathfinders, but sure, maybe. I would almost argue not. Voting um, for two minus two more operatives against Pathfinders. That's what, yeah, I'm, what I'm rooting for. Yeah. Instead of nerfing the pain grenade, let's do that. Yep. Um, (laughs) instead of nerfing cults let's do that too exactly Um, but especially on into the dark like like there are horde teams where it's worth it but i've seen people and i when i say i've seen people i mean i've done this um taken it into like commandos or um you know 10 model teams like novitiates and stuff or hearthkin oh boy was it a mistake to take it against hearthkin um (laughs) But like, you know, especially on Into the Dark, it's like, oh, you know, lethal five up on this big, scary rending weapon. Like that seems really good. It also seems bad against novitiate and uh, not uh, breachers because of their void armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is, is that because it's a blast weapon, there are two key things that you can't do. You cannot overwatch and you cannot uh point blank shoot unless there's like a really weird positioning uh, discrepancy you can take advantage of. But if someone's just hiding behind a barricade and all you can do is get within two inches of them, it's almost never worth blowing yourself up to get the kill. Um, If you're taking the blaster, um, you are generally guaranteeing that whatever you shoot at will be turned into ash. And then additionally, you have the opportunity to overwatch. You have the opportunity um, to uh, run up within two inches of someone and blow them away. Um, I think that in a lot of cases, uh, the precision of that is better than the chance that you get a blast on someone. Because let's also be real, especially when you get to higher level play, people are not going to be giving you a blast as much, especially if they're spreading out to avoid the pain grenade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something we all would need to do. Spread out a little bit more. Also, I would just like to say um, I played against uh, uh, Nick Craven's uh, Blooded at Nova. He's a badass. Yeah, he's really good. He's a burger-eating badass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I did end up losing that game, but I took the Shredder, or no, the Blaster into him instead of the Shredder, even though he was playing Blooded. And we one shot his ogren. <laughs> like, nice. Damn. Let's go. That I mean, like that kind of speaks for itself. Like that was a big piece of his team that was removed on like turn two. Mm-hmm. Um, the Shredder might not have been able to pull that off. 
against him, his uh, the Ogren charged uh, all four of my gunners. Oof. Yeah. Turning point three or four. It was bad. I, I'm assuming that you didn't get much done after that. Nope. Did not. <laughs> yeah, <that makes sense>. <laughs> <laughs> um man i wish i could have killed him with uh the plasma but you know he got initiative and uh you know it is what it so, is turns out hitting on threes without hot is a lot better than fours with hot <laughs> agreed agreed so um moving on to the final team well not the final team we'll go we'll we'll, we'll swing back to vetguard because that's what you ended the season so far with because i think you're still going to two more tournaments after this you've you've competed in nine tournaments this season but not oh, uh, and ten tournaments this year because LVO was was last season. Yeah. So um, you know, you took Hearthkin uh, yeah, to to the All Valley. Now, was it a team strategy to bring Hearthkin? Did you think they were? Was it your new uh, hot take that they were S tier like uh, Exaction Squad? Um, <laughs> <laughs> or or what was what was your 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 reasoning for bringing them there was it because they're more of a skew list like what were you thinking and um, what what happened we started theory crafting this after nova mm-hmm. um there were a couple things and again like i'm kind of jogging i've been i've been thinking about novitiates and vet guard and our so much in the past few months like i completely forgot that i played hearthkin <laughs> um, <laughs> well you did some amazing things which we'll talk about Oh yeah, no, I think I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but they felt really good. Um, they had a lot of tricks. Um, they the scoring on them was really nice. Um, I should say again, I I was also looking at this team because people started beating me with them, and I was like, "What the hell are plasma knives? How are these so good?" <laughs> um, but um, they're dwarven made. That's how they're good. Oh yeah, but um, I we just, I just remember we were playing practice games with them, and every time I played a game, like uh, I played against uh, Joshua Kelly's Gellerpox, and there is just random stuff I would do, like um, throw down like a heavy barricade between two pieces of terrain, and like, <laughs> I basically made like a gatehouse <laughs> in my deployment zone that he couldn't get through, and then I was just shooting over it um, and shooting past it. Um, or like uh, turning that barricade that you just placed outside of you know three of your drop zone, making it heavy, and then taking C's ground on it, even though it's behind a wall. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they've got some really funny stuff and then also um on uh dakota's uh squad games terrain the rotary cannon that ignores obscuring is so freaking good dude um so like we just ca- kind of started finding all these different little weird strengths and then we realized that they might have a match into commandos they didn't <laughs> <laughs> that is more commando's fault because <laughs> here's the thing though votan have this guy called the locator mm-hmm. you guys know what he does oh i, I do. know exactly what he does yeah, he does not true. pick up things within two inches only one sorry continue <laughs> <laughs> um oh <laughs> <laughs> he can pick up items within one inch or he can do mission actions for free Sometimes, so, he get, sometimes he gets an eight inch move. 
that would be false. <laughs> Only um, that's that's when they become S tier. They go Super Saiyan. They get a six inch move. Yeah. So the locator, um, he has an ability where your opponent has to start in his deployment zone. Mm-hmm. Meaning Tonight. commandos cannot sneaky get against you. Yeah, you shut down a lot of teams. Yeah. Uh, you can't pregame move. Uh, you can pregame move, but you can't um, like recon dash, I believe. Um, but like Vetguard's pregame move, I believe, does still work. Or no. I think you can do the dash, but you can't do the pregame moves, right? Oh, boy. It's, it's been a minute since I played this team. I've got a lot of PDF up right now. There you go. Um, I'm, I'm, we're, we're professionals. Um, I have one. Oh, you know what? It, what, it, what it doesn't stop is it doesn't stop um, like teleporty things like the death mark or worm blade. Yeah, I yeah. believe it does stop vet guards um, uh, pregame dash and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that really shuts things down. Then you realize that plasma axes are five five damage, um, and then you realize that with grudge tokens. Um, a lot of the guns that they have just kind of kill orcs really easily. And so we started thinking, well, maybe this is our counter orc uh, team. Um, I don't believe I ever actually fought orcs at uh, All Valley. Because <laughs> uh, I think we found out it was not the best matchup. But uh, we ended up taking them. And they did okay. I think I went 3-3 three and three with them. Two of your wins wins were into cults, correct? Yeah, they were indeed, and they were on into the dark, which is cults. One of them, one of them. (laughs) Yeah, one of them was on into the dark. So that is fascinating in itself. What made them so good into cults that you could win one hundred percent of the games that you played against them? I have no freaking clue. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I mean, like the first game that I played. Um, against cults was on open so i threw the gr- i threw the grenadier in the trash and i gave a concussion grenade to the jetpack and then i boosted him forward and got like four kills with the concussion grenade before he could react because also the locator was there so he couldn't use his covert guys to get away mm-hmm. um and then after that we just started lighting up cultists um it was just like, you know, we would find a vantage point here and get a guy. We would find a vantage point there and get a guy. We'd ignore obscuring and get some people. <clears throat> um, he would run up and fight, you know, a mutant, and maybe he missed some of his dice, and my leader plasma sorted him to death. Um, and just random things like that. We basically uh, just created like a line on our deployment zone, on our objectives, because um, the map we were on had this big kind of open courtyard. Um, and basically any cultist that came near that courtyard ended up getting blown up or killed. Um, and then on the into the dark matchup, again, it was just our ability to create a kill zone. And I think that was one of the things it's very thematic for dwarves, but it's one of the things that's very interesting about them is they have a very good ability to just create like fortresses on their half of the board. Okay. Uh, makes like them with, fun to play. Yeah, it, it, it does like with the fortify stratagem and things like that. Um, but I recall, you know, my opponent's big plan had to be to take my center objective. Um, Cause I believe we were playing loot and he had to deny my primary points. Um, 
problem was um, I was able to have basically all my gunners looking into that objective room. And then I won an initiative. <laughs> <clears throat> I was able to get the grenadier in there, throw a slowdown grenade. So he couldn't get in there. Turn one. Then turn two, he had <clears throat> grouped up and um, he had grouped some people up and mutated them. Grenadier comes around the corner and blows them up. Uh, we also got an early shot against um, a pair of devotees uh, with a missile launcher, and we killed both of them. Um, that so was, was on turn one. Was it specifically the fact that that you think that Hearthkin are good into cults, or do you think it was you played well and they played not as well? I don't think my opponent played poorly. Okay. Um, I, I think that um, he played them well. I think that the board was helpful okay because um instead of you know having to go round corners to go take objectives we could kind of just sit and watch our home objective and um you know kill enemy models as they came through that way okay um and that kind of was part of it as well because once the grenade went off and once he like charged in and we were like taxing him with damage with plasma knives and his torments were getting killed he needed to keep activating to not let that get too out of hand, meaning that he wasn't activating on the flanks. And so then suddenly like I've got a lugger on the other side of the board, who's just walking up slowly ends up shooting down both of his, uh, dark commune sword guys before they're really able to do anything. Um, and it wasn't a mistake to not activate those guys first, but just because the middle was going so poorly, he couldn't really try to do something about the flanks at that point interesting okay um and like i feel like i'm not doing a very adequate job explaining how this match went but genuinely it was just because like it, it it was it was weird it was just like i was just playing we were we were just playing the game and i would just get some kills here and there and then suddenly it's like oh you're down 10 models hmm. um and i'm not trying to sound like arrogant or say that it was effortless because it absolutely wasn't it was not at all but it's just hard for me to explain fair. And that's kind of my experience when playing against cultists is that like, if you just kind of play for a kill here, a kill there, and you're mindful of like where the mutants are and stuff, um, you, uh, can find them start to sweat, you know, one, if they're like down five devotees after a little bit, you'll probably still lose cause they're cultists, but, <laughs> yeah currently we can we can all we can all pray to the emperor for some kind of nerf yeah, so but it's it's hard for me to say okay. um I, I don't know you know i i'd have to play the, the matchup a few more times to really pin down what the case was but i know that i played against a very good cult player who was playing them very well in their natural environment and like the score was not i think i won by about eight points mm. uh, so like i I'm not entirely sure quite how that happened. I'd have to look into that more. Some might say it was the luck of the emperor. Some might say he guided your, your dice. Who knows? Well, I was a more of a Votan apologist at that point. Okay. Know, All right. The ancestor right. cores. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, moving on to the next part, um, before we move on to LVO and what you think you might take there, if it was tomorrow, and we don't know what the balance data slate is going to happen. So we obviously don't know. So we can only speculate. But um, you played Exaction, you played Comorites, you played Higher Tech, and you played Vet Guard. 
and you played Hand, and you played Hearthkit. So you played quite a few teams. You played VetGuard four out of the uh, nine games this year, uh, or nine tournaments. Um, let's do a, a Kellen tier list of of your of your own teams that you okay. that you think where they where 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 they're in the meta currently, right? So let's start off with Comorites if if they were in a you know an S through F tier. And are we talking in rel- relation to the entire meta or like yep. compared to all the teams I've played? No, compared to the entire meta where you think they currently sit. I think they're D tier. D tier. Cool. I think that. D. Yeah, okay. I, like they could be F tier, but like I still think Comorites are better than the rest of the compendium. Okay. So. How about Exaction? Still solid B? Hmm. Um,. Yeah, I, I still think that they're B tier. They got some really cool tricks. I do love playing them. Um, they're a playstyle that I enjoy, but they need an extra model or something. They're just some matchups they can't win. Um, so low B, high C, I'd say. Probably okay. low B. Okay. Um, how about Hyrotech Circle? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I, so this was a team that I didn't play too many times. I took it to like one tournament with like you play a lot of TTS. Come on. I play, I play a lot of TTS, but I didn't play a lot of Hyrotech TTS. Fair. Because um, like game. right now, I'm thinking like C tier. C? Just because, mm. one, I don't like how they're built. I don't like how tall they are. You know, if we're talking about tall and wide they're teams. Pain in the like ass them. to model, to say the least. Yes. I, that is one thing. Like, I keep kicking myself over picking Necrons as my favorite army. Because I hate building them, and they always break. <laughs> yeah, they're skinny little skeleton bastards. Yeah, but um, <laughs> the reason I'd say they're C tier, like, yes, they're strong. Yes, they do good damage. If you know how to play the Cryptek, they are going to be amazing. But there will always be a game where you just don't reanimate. Okay, and that is going to end your run. And so I, I like. I'm imagining that with this tier list um, that I'm doing with you guys is in the context of like, you're trying to do a long run at a tournament going deep. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think Hyrotech can go deep. Fair. What about Hand of the Archon? A tier. The only thing that's keeping him out of S is their commando matchup. Mm. Okay. I like that. Okay. And how about Hearthkin Salvagers? S tier. <laughs> Every time He's trying to get out, Jocko was trying to get out of the book right now. <laughs> Every time a new team is going to come out that people don't think is good, if I start playing it, everyone's going to just start saying like, "Oh, these guys are S tier, right?" <laughs> I'm never going to be able to live down the exaction squad. <laughs> going in there with all the, all the confidence in the world, and then going, what was it like two and four? <laughs> hey, you know what? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's good to have the hot takes. We it makes uh makes so that we can talk about it. You know, yeah. Makes our not enough longer. people are are brave enough to have hot takes. <laughs> Yeah. Hearthkin, I'd say, are probably B tier. Okay. Um, I found that like they, they, it seems like they might have some really good tech into melee hordes. Mm-hmm. That, that's yet to be investigated further. But I also played two games into Legionary that game that time, and I lost both of those. So it seems like they have a struggle into that team, which yeah, is not what I was expecting. Vetguard also have a problem in the Legionary, I find. They do. Mm-hmm. How about, uh, how about Vetguard? We come all full circle. Uh, Vetguard are S tier. Okay, are, are, 
Vanguard are the best team, uh, one of the best teams that I've played. Um, they have given me some of the best runs. Um, they did not get me a golden ticket, but they came very close to. And if I wasn't playing as a dingus at SoCal, you know, who knows what would have happened in that last game? Hey, you know, um, you know, Jason I, was very good. It was, it was a very good game, and he absolutely capitalized on the mistakes I made. I think, I think uh, you, I think we tried to get a ticket for. Uh, the west coast champs but uh yeah left on red um <clears throat> as per usual <laughs> i feel like i feel like like i'm on tinder and i just get left on red all the time <laughs> games workshop I, i've deleted it. all those apps yeah it's it's like uh i've never downloaded it because i'm married uh, i just assumed that's what it would be like um so uh finally let's say lvo is tomorrow yeah. what team are you playing well, hang on. We missed one team on the tier list. Did we? Yes, we did. And it's my choice to go to LVO right now. Oh, well, uh, I figured. Um, but uh, you didn't play it this year yet. So oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you putting novitiates, huh? Novitiates are also S tier. Okay. I think they're below vet guard until I further test them, but they're, they're saucy from what I've been playing. And I really like, um, I really like them. And I think they are currently what I'm looking at taking. And I'm annoyed because I started looking at this team and, you know, Jimmy Kelly can attest to this, that I started playtesting them. And then I text Dakota, like, Hey, I think novitiates might be really good. And he's like, Oh yeah, we're going to come out with a podcast tonight about talking about how good they are. And now everyone's talking about them again. It's like, no, <laughs> uh, it's funny. I think that the, it's their time. They've taken, quite a long backseat. The last time that we really saw them in the US performing super well was in the hands of Chris Bakke. Yeah. Uh, and he won a couple majors with them and then he retired them, right? So, yeah. um, and put them on his shelf of glory or whatever it's called, his his emperor's shelf of awesomeness. Um, what What's making you want to bring them and and come all the way full circle? Quite literally. <laughs> the faith. Faith. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's faith the in faith. the emperor has returned. Faith. Yeah. You know, you um, know what it is? Remember how, how much we pray to the emperor together? You're like, we'll sit down before games. We'll take a knee. Yeah, you know, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sister's yeah. coming out in you. Oh man. You're right. Um, <laughs> I really, I still really like their play style. I think one of the things that I kind of began to underestimate was their damage. Um, cause one of the complaints I had was again, you know, we I've been talking about tall and wide teams uh, today and they are a tall team. Um, they've got the superior and they've got the flamers. And if you, in the penitent, if you lose those four, you're greatly cut on the damage you can do. Especially, um, if, um, you're taking the support staff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of, you know, quickly to talk about them. I played against them a little bit and was surprised at the damage they could do. And then I started talking to some other uh, novitiate players and talking about, cause you know, one of their greatest uh, weaknesses is melee teams because their faith points don't really protect them there. And they kind of talked to me and we figured out that taking sword militants can kind of help you build wider, can help you fill those gaps um, where uh, the damage is being uh, lackluster. Um, and then on top of that, 
Um, you never get diced as them unless you're me two LVOs ago against Matt Hull, um, in which case uh, not even faith points could have saved me there. But for the most part, you don't really get diced. Um, and then just on top of that, um, their style of being an, a generally an aggressive, uh, close range shooting to melee team um, with all the tricks they get from faith points is really appealing. And I think that it is, it is indeed quite strong. And, and it seems like the rest of the internet has caught on to that. Yeah. I mean, I am still quite me personally, I'm still quite speculative on the team. I know that Alexa was pretty hot on them. You're pretty hot on them. I think that you guys have both turned my eye to be like more, um, inquisitive about the team. But I think until I see like the data slate, I still think like inquisition and some other teams that, that might give them like Hunter Clade might make a comeback. If, if people are going to start bringing, uh, dest- I mean, earlier in the podcast, I had no idea that uh, Hunter Clade were good into them, but Hunter Clade has also, f- also fallen off pretty hard. Yeah. And like, I, again, like I would love to get another Hunter Clade matchup in because I feel like, um, even just in the time I've taken away from them, I think I have a bit of a new philosophy with the team. Not to mention they have new resources for being uh, in crit ops and just having extra command points. I would love to see how that matchup looks now. You should hit up uh, Blaine from Six Sided Legion or uh, Alex Squires and see if yeah. any either one of them. Would, they're both fantastic uh, Hunter Clay players. I, I'm hoping to see Alex, uh, I guess, and Blaine uh, in San Diego for the little thingy that we're working on. Mm. Oh, yeah? And on also, um, Travis Chang's also a pretty good one as well, at least US based. If I missed you out there, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited to see where they come out. And, you know, if you stick with that team, depending on what happens with the data slate. But uh, before we wrap up here, is there anything that you want to you wanna do any kind of big shout outs for? Huge shout outs. Um, I mean, go to LVO. <laughs> I know this is more doing your th- your job for you. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, Kel team doesn't really have too much that we need to shout out. Like um, we don't really have a YouTube channel or a social media presence. Um, How about your debates? Are those televised yeah, at all? Yeah, or that's what? What I'm talking uh, about. Where can we stream your debates? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I think uh, most of those are just done uh, behind closed doors. Um, sometimes the Ooh. finals are tele or are not televised, but are, uh, Recorded by ESPN. (laughs) (laughs) I wish like Jalel's marble runs. Um, but I think and like you know, if you want to root for me, then do that. I I I don't know. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'll pray to the emperor for you. Thank you. Um, and then I guess otherwise, you know, uh, the purple shirts. We are. uh, I guess we're more the purple suits now. Uh, we're trying to go to a lot more tournaments. And uh, we love hanging out with people. We love seeing people. Um, so if you ever want to hang out with Kel team or um, talk to us uh, in between matches or get dinner with us afterwards, like we are very um, open to meeting people and uh, making this uh, hobby uh, a tighter, uh, as tight of a circle as it can be. Um. But I mean, I guess other than that, um, 
I don't know if you're going to keep this part in, but I really wish Rockets got back to me so I could shout out that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's their yeah. loss. So probably uh, not. We'll, we won't talk about that until we have that official. I guess. So, so right now um, we are we are discussing running a tournament on January sixth down in uh, as an LVO prep down in San Diego. So uh, there's a couple stores we're looking at um, down there, and we're going to try to make that happen. Uh, By the time this comes out, there should be details. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. which we'll have in the description if if we have anything. Mm-hmm. Gee, is there anything you want to shout out? course you can find me on instagram at wargaming underscore studios again that's wargaming underscore studios uh, i'm currently finishing the rest of my casterkin my goal is to get them done by the ninth at least 10 playable by the ninth it's current at the time of this recording it's the first i got eight days you do i got eight and you got um, five models i have five models so far mm. so i'm halfway there um yes i'm doing that and then you can find me on the squad games discord you know, we're all there. You can join the conversation about this episode, about other episodes, about stuff in general, of course. And I want to shout out our patrons. I want to say thank you to them. You know, they support us in a more personal way, and we really appreciate it. And if you're thinking of becoming a patron, that's wonderful. If not, just listening to the episodes is perfectly fine, and that helps us out just as well. And last thing I have to say, because I've mentioned this in pretty much every episode, we are affiliated with Frontline Gaming. So if you're looking to get those tickets for LVO, for all the Kill Team events, we will have a link in the description. And any purchase you make there through our link is a kickback to us. And we really appreciate that. How about you, Dakota? I would love to shout out our patrons. If everyone who listened to our podcast gave us gave us our lowest tier, um, it would be uh, it would really help us out um, and make it so that we could do this even more full time. Um, Everyone who already supports us, just thank you so much for making it, you know, this uh, a viable thing for us. You know, you, you guys pay for our service that we use currently to record these. So again, thank you guys so much. Uh, also, I'd like to shout out all of uh, Dylan Eves. Um, he did the art for LVO and uh, he does, uh, he, he works in a tattoo shop here in LA called Charnel, uh, Charnel House Tattoo. Um, He's an amazing artist, an amazing guy, and uh, we wouldn't have been able to do any of the um, the apparel that we're doing right now for LVO, uh, you know, to help support uh, the staff, you know, make it so that uh, it doesn't come out of our pockets. So appreciate everyone who who's listening, uh, and thanks again, you know, everything. Yeah, and don't forget the shirts are in the. Uh, we'll have links in the description for the merch, the shirts for LVO. So if you're going to do a pre order, feel free to do so down there. Absolutely. Until next time. Stay rock and roll. Now nah, let's say uh, hip hop. <laughs> I'm lost. Uh, I will stay jiggy with it. <laughs> Call me back. Call me maybe. There we go. There we go. My music taste is stuck in the early 2000s. I can't contribute here. Cut my life into pieces. <laughs> I'm blue. Da ba dee da ba die. The Squad Games Podcast is a production of Squad Games Entertainment. For more information on Squad Games, please visit our website at lustersworkshop.com slash squad games.